0: Welcome to Mana for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are in Ezra three and four, and First John five. So you guys find your places if you would, and uh, let's get let's get started. Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for giving us a new perspective today. As we get moving through our day, that we desire to have it focused on you, not the things of the world or to be distracted by the things that can so easily entangle us in the sins of the world. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Ezra 3. The altar and the sacrifice is restored. Now, when the seventh month came, and the sons of Israel were in the cities, and the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem, then Joshua, the son of Josedach and his brothers the priests and Zerubbabel the son of Shathiel, and his brothers arose and built the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it as it is written in the law of Moses the man of God. So they set up the altar on its foundation and they were terrified because of the peoples of the lands and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord. Burnt offerings morning and evening, and they celebrated the Feast of Booths. As it is is written, they offered the fixed number of burnt offerings daily, according to the ordinance, as each day required. And afterward, there was a continual burnt offering, also for the new moons and for all the fixed festivals of the Lord that were consecrated. And from everyone who offered a free will offering to the Lord from the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord but the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. When they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food, drink, oil, and the Sidonians and to the Tyrians to bring cedar wood from Lebanon to the sea at Joppa, according to the permission they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. Verse 8, Now in the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, and the rest of their brothers and priests and Levites, and all who came from the captivity to Jerusalem, began the work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and older to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Jeshua with his sons and his brothers, stood united with Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, and the sons of Henadad with their sons and brothers and Levites to oversee the workmen in the temple of God. Now, when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel. Verse 11, they sang, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his loving kindness is upon us forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Yet many of the priests and the Levites, and the heads of the fathers' households, the old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes. While many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the sound of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. Chapter 4. Now when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the people of the exile were building a temple to the Lord God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel, the heads of fathers, households, and said to them, Let us build with you, for we, like you, seek your God. And we have been sacrificing to him since the days of Sharadon, king of Assyria, who brought us up here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's households of Israel said to them, You have nothing in common with us in building the house to our God, but we ourselves will together build to the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and frightened them from building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their counsel all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, in the reign of Ahasuerus, the king, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. And in the days of Artaxerxes, Bishlam, Mithridath, Tabil, and the rest of his colleagues wrote to Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, and the text of the letter was written in Aramaic and translated from Aramaic. The letter to the king, verse 8, Rum, the commander, and Shimshai, the scribe, wrote the letter against Jerusalem to the king Artaxerxes as follows, Then wrote Reum, the commander, and Shimshai, the scribe, and the rest of their colleagues, the judges, and the lesser governors, the officials and the secretaries, the men of Erech, the Babylonians, the men of Susa, that is, the Elamites, and of the rest of the nations, which the great and honorable Osnafer deported and settled in the city of Samaria, and in the rest of the region beyond the river. Now, this is the copy of the letter which they sent to him to King Argexerxes, your servants, the men in the region beyond the river. And now, verse 12, let it be known to you, the king, that the Jews who came up from you have come to us at Jerusalem. They are rebuilding the rebellious and evil city and are finishing the walls and repairing the foundations. Now let it be known to the king that if that city is rebuilt and the walls are finished, they will not pay tribute, custom, or toll, and it will damage the revenue of the king's now because we are in the service of the palace and it is not fitting for us to see the king's dishonor, therefore we have sent and informed the king so that a search may be made in the record books of your fathers and you will discover in the record books and learn that that city is a rebellious city and damaging to kings and provinces and that they have incited revolt within it in past days. Therefore the city is was laid waste." We inform the king that if the city is rebuilt and the walls finished, as a result, you will have no possession in the province beyond the river. Verse 17, Then the king sent an answer to Reum, the commander, and Shimshai, the scribe, and to the rest of their colleagues who live in Samaria and the rest in the provinces beyond the river. Peace, and now the document which you sent to us has been translated and read before me. A decree has been issued By me, And a search has been made, and it has been discovered that that city has risen up against kings in the past days, that rebellion and revolt have been perpetrated in it, that mighty kings have ruled over Jerusalem, governing all the provinces beyond the river, and that tribute, custom, and toll were paid to them. So now issue a decree to make these men stop the work that this city may not be rebuilt until a decree is issued by me. Beware of being negligent in carrying out this matter. Why should damage increase to the detriment of kings? Then as soon as the copy of the King Artaxerxes document was read before Reum and Shemshai, the scribe, and their colleagues, they went in haste to Jerusalem, to the Jews, and stopped them by force of arms. Then work on the house of God in Jerusalem ceased, and it was stopped until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Very sad situation of... um, this dedicated group of people being released by Cyrus, who first understood that God had commanded him. We saw that from the prophecies that had been given to him, that he read his own name in the scriptures, and saw that God said, go build me a house. He goes, wow, okay, guess I better do it. So he sends the um, Jews back to go build the temple, but he is quite easily led astray and duped by these officials that are now appointed by Persia to rule over that area. Of course, remember, they're very far away from Babylon. And it, saying this is going to hurt his bottom line. If, if the city gets rebuilt and the walls go up, they're going to stop paying tax. And we're going to find out we're in Nehemiah tonight. And we're going to find out that that's one of the things that happened to the people is that they went broke, sold themselves into slavery. One of the reasons was they kept paying the tax. There was a stiff tax for all the people in Judah going back to the, to the king in Persia. And um, it was difficult. While they were there worshipping the temple, slowly establishing themselves again in Jerusalem, they always had to pay those taxes. So they never stopped paying the taxes while Persia there was dominating over the reign. So this was a false accusation. Uh, And of course, you could argue the walls had not been built. But at this point, they were just talking about they went back to build the temple, not the walls. And they're saying, hey, you know, their real intent. They're going to build the walls. And, and, And yet they were not. Not at this point. It wasn't until much later, until Nehemiah shows up. So that's where we are in the book of Ezra, and it's kind of sad, and we see whenever you undertake to follow God in, in any kind of undertaking that he directs you to do, especially in it's related to helping people reconnect with God and, and get their art of worship back right and, and guiding them back in all truth, you're going to have opposition. It's exactly what happened. These people, they don't want it. Now, we know these Samaritans were not genuine in their desire to help them rebuild the temple. They said, hey, let us come and help you. And, and it sounds like, gee, why turn them away? They seems like they said, we worship like you do. But they didn't. They were polytheists. They worshiped Yahweh along with the other gods. And Judah had been cured of that. They said, no, you're a cancer. You're going to bring in your mindset that he is a God, not the only God. And you want somehow to get involved in this. And it's my own personal opinion that, because normally you're going to find people like this that aren't genuine are following the money. Because <laughs> remember, Cyrus, Cyrus is sending them back with a ton of money, silver and gold and all kinds of stuff to build this temple. And they're probably want to get in close to the money and close to what the action so they can see how they could benefit from it. Perhaps. We don't know for sure. All right, First John 5 now overcoming the world. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not with water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify the Spirit and the water and the blood. And the three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe in God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. For he who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, He shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that if we are of God and that the whole world is in the power of the evil one, And we know that the Son of God has come and that he has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Boy, there's a bunch. There's so much there. Um, Where do you begin? Well, we may know that we have eternal life if we know that we're in Christ. How do we know if we're in Christ? If we confess him. So we you looked at yesterday, if you say boldly, and you can say publicly to people that are not believers and hostile towards Christianity, even say, Jesus is Lord, the only Lord. He's the only Lord and Savior. Well, then that means you have the love of God in you, assuming, of course, you just don't hate people. And of course, that's the two are opposite. You can't really say that Jesus is Lord and love him as Lord and hate your brother. That's what John's point is and we covered a lot th- this yesterday so now having said that he's making th- helping them to get assurance to, to know that this life is in them remember how many false prophets and gnostics there were in the day uh, that th- that he was dealing with and so he's telling them that you are safe and secure in Christ if you know that you have the love of Father in, in, in you and you've confessed him then, you're, you're safe. You, you do have eternal life. There is eternal life. The only eternal life is, is, is life in the Son. And if you believe in him and you confess Jesus, there, you have eternal life. And, and God is the one who gives us this assurance, not the apostles, not the Gnostics, not whatever false teacher is. God is the one who testifies that Jesus is the Son. He is the one who came into the world, and he is the one who died, and only through him will we receive life. And so God testifies. The three testimonies considered true in Judaism when you have two or more witnesses. It's just the Father testifies of himself, Father and Son. a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I guess you could say that Father and the Holy Spirit testify that Jesus is the Son, and he is the one that has brought life into the world, life out of death now regarding a sin that does not lead to death and a sin that does lead to death that that would be a good one to spend more time developing i would love to do that but we know when you read those things and immediately you get, even i have to go back and go okay i need to look at all this and the intricacies and the and the wordage and and the context to get it all back in my mind but we can always fall back on what we know what we know is the only sin that leads to permanent spiritual death is to deny that jesus is from god and to deny that he is the savior that he died on the cross that's it what about the blasphemy of the holy spirit same thing it's connected if you are blaspheming the holy spirit you're saying i don't believe the one who came to point to jesus to show us the way to follow him i don't (laughs) i don't believe that what he said is true or any any of that then you're denying that jesus is the lord and savior There is a connection between the two, because we know from the context of Scripture, from taking the whole counsel of Scripture, there is only one sin that leads to permanent, everlasting, eternal death. You deny that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and you deny his bodily resurrection, that he died for the sins of the world, and he's coming back. You, You deny all of that, then that's it. Eternal separation, forever. Now this, there's a sin leading to death. Is he talking about physical death or spiritual death? <laughs> I don't remember. I need to go back and, and look at it. But you could look at this, and there are certainly sins that lead to death physically, maybe not spiritually, not eternally. So there are sins that brothers can do that that can lead to death, and other sins that that lead not to death. That there could be sins that they're involved in that will not condemn them to hell, but they are sins nonetheless. And so we, we have all those issues all the time. We as Christians fall into sins and disobedience of our God. And so we we certainly can go down that road. But I'll leave that for another time when um, I have been able to look at it again and study it all in context. And this is why it's good. In morning devotions, you've got to just let the Lord speak to you what's right there and then... Once you've gone through it and God says, yeah, you should look into that one today. This is part of your meditation for today is look in what this says. and, And it can spur us on to deeper Bible studies. All right, now moving on to Charles Spurgeon. When thou passeth through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Isaiah 43, 2. Bridge, there is none. We must go through the waters and feel the rush of the rivers. The presence of God in the flood is better than a ferry boat. Tried we must be, but triumphant we shall be. For Jehovah himself, who is mightier than many waters, shall be with us. Whenever else he may be away from his people, the Lord will surely be with them in difficulties and dangers. The sorrow of life may rise to an extraordinary height, but the Lord is equal to every occasion. The enemies of God can put in our way dangers of their own making, namely persecutions and cruel mocking, which are like a burning fiery furnace. What then? Shall we walk through the fires? God being with us, we shall not be burned. Nay, not even the smell of fire shall remain upon us. Oh, the wonderful security of the heaven-born and heaven-bound pilgrim. Floods cannot drown him, nor fires burn him. Thy presence, O Lord, is the protection of thy saints from the the varied perils of the road. Behold, in faith I commit myself unto thee, and my spirit enters into rest. Well, let's do that. Enter into his rest. Father, what a blessed assurance that we have here. And uh, what a great comfort to know that we can go into the midst of very great trials and know that you're there and that you can keep us from being burned. Thank you for that hope. Thank you for the understanding of the scripture we read. Thank you that we know that we know that we know that in Christ there is life, there is salvation, and there is hope. And if we are in Christ, he is in us and we are in the Father, and there is a unity and a harmony, there is one body and one church. So we thank you and praise you and ask you to make us all the more like you in these last days and help us to reach out and touch the lives of people around us. God, I have not within my own nature that kind of love that you have, and I am weak in the express of it, but by your Spirit, God, may you move us and use us so that people can come to that knowledge that there is life in the Son and there is eternal separation for those who would reject that he is come from God. God has testified and God has said that he is my son. I have sent him to save the world. And we dare not challenge that or try and reinterpret it and make it something it's not. So God, help the world, help everyone now in these war-torn countries over these even theological issues or spiritual issues, now come to a miraculous knowledge of this truth that we see in First John. Thank you for it, God. Thank you for blessing us with that book. And I do pray for people that are going through very difficult times right now. Our friend J.D. in, hus- in the hospital, who's got a stomach ulcer, God, who needs who needs a, a medical procedure done. We pray that you would provide for him the things that he needs to have that taken care of and be able to get out of the hospital. Thank you for anyone else who's um, dealing with surgical issues in the hospital, God, that you provide for their needs. Want to thank you for Dean and the opportunity he has on a job that's come up. God, we pray safe travel for his trip up to California to check this job out. I mean, it just goes super well, God. Thank you. It sounds like a sounds like at this point a great answer to prayer. So we just pray for his his flight, that he has no issues health-wise on his flight as, as he's still got some medical issues going on. So pray for his protection there. Keep him healthy. Thank you for Renee's mom who's feeling so much better miraculously. What a blessing, God. Thank you for bringing her back of the brink of, of, of passing on into your kingdom, but we just thank you for keeping her with us for for a while longer. Bless this day, God. Bless those that are working to get those hostages free in Gaza. God, may it just be able to be terminated this week. So thank you. We love you, and we praise you God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll see you guys tonight. We will be at church. We are in Nehemiah, and would love to see you guys there. If not physically, at least virtually, let us know you're online, okay? See you about 6.30 our time. God bless you guys. Bye-bye.